The Breakfast Show. We did some push-ups. Lawson did some clap push-ups. I was totally impressed. You did a clap push-up. It was I, First time in my entire life did a clap push-up as well, too. I'm a, I'm a little bit out of breath, actually. I, I, did, I ran down, ran back up the parking lot. I, that was some inc- that was intentional, incidental exercise. Whew, I'm actually out of breath. Amazing. Whew, good times. Maybe not, maybe not amazing for you. No. But, but I tell you what, I'm living my best life. That was cool. I... I Clap push-ups are like one of those things that you don't know you can do until you just do it. That's right. Like it's one of those things where you don't... Or it's one of those things that you uh, don't know or that you know that you can't do because when you try it, you fail miserably. Yeah, but I... I, I was close. For me and for many people, it's like not something I've built up to of like, oh, okay, I couldn't do a clap push-up and now I can do a clap push-up. It was just, I could do lots of push-ups this when I was 15. I was like, I can do lots of push-ups. And I'm like, I wonder if I can do a clap push-up and then just... Bam. Bam. And then by the time I was 16, 16 was like the fittest that I've ever been. Mm-hmm. And I could do two clap push-ups. Like as in two claps in one push-up. But I like, oh, I, like I could do... I that think, would be a double clap. I think I was consistently... Yeah, I was doing a double clap. Like I can consistently... I got to the, Once I got to the point where I could do 10, 10, 15 clap push-ups in a row, then, then I could do double clap. I'm like 50% to where you are because I can do a double clap. Just, just, yeah, but just, not the push-up. Yeah. So I'm halfway. You're my, yeah, me too, yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah me, you know. <laughs> there we go. That's, that's what we're doing here. On the, we're getting fit we are. here on The Breakfast Show. And if you want to get fit, well, you can have a listen to the interview that we just did. Pick up pick up the tips, you know, get into your incidental and intentional exercise. Start, but it's, what did she say? He starts by thinking about it. That's right. What was that, 150 minutes a week mm. and then 70 of, of, of medium exercise. Medium intensity. And then... Uh, was it 75 minutes of high intensity, high intensity yeah. which I did. I actually did that uh, yesterday almost, not, not not 75 minutes, but like almost an hour. I did, I did some jujitsu mm. and well, basically I was just put in a headlock for about an hour. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I, was, I was high intensity last night when I submitted one of my uh, assignments. At, oh, I thought you were going to you submitted someone in jujitsu. Yeah, <laughs> when I submitted one of my assignments at 11.43 p.m., Wow, you know, a, a cool seventeen minutes before the uh, the due date. Good thing you're not one of those guys who procrastinates. No, never. <laughs> no, that was actually good. like it was already finished, and then I went out last night till late, and then it was kind of the the vibe of I had finished writing it, but I'd hadn't like cleaned up my referencing, so like had to had to get in there and do that. But it's in now, so praise God. You're listening to the Breakfast Show, and we are going to have another clue for clue for the day. The Quiz. We have here, it says, though Jesus healed this many lepers at one time, only one returned to thank him. So what is that number? How many leopards? Lepers. (laughs) Lepers. Not leopards. Lepers. That would be crazy. That would be Daniel in the Lion's Den part two. That's insane. Uh, How many lepers did Jesus heal and only one came back? Well, leopards got them. Uh, that's, that's wild. Okay. Yeah, no. Oh, I, I know that number. Well, too. Actually, I got a text here from Wayne. He said, good morning, brothers and team. Uh, I've lost radio signal in Canberra. Can you check the space bar, please? Thank you. Are we back up in Canberra? We are beautiful. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. Wayne, I'm glad you're listening as well, too. Uh, I think also, uh, someone named unknown, (laughs) 
Texas in and got the answer correct. His name's right there. It's oh, Andrew. there I do see it. Awesome. Oh, yeah, I see Andrew there. Good job, Andrew. Awesome. Okay. But this one was funny. From uh, This is from Braden. Good thing I waited as my thoughts from the concubines were 300. Yeah. So, so that's another clue. Not the answer. It's not the answer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's, Braden, that's a good guess, but that's Solomon's concubines. Yeah, which or, I'm not. Yeah, it, I I'm think about so. David, yeah. yeah. I, I get confused. How many wives did he have? He had... Solomon. This, yeah, 700, 700 wives. 700 wives, 300 concubines. Why? Why, man? What? Because he can. I thought, yeah, but I thought you were the wisest man in the world. Like, you would know that this is not the path. Sin makes you dumb. <laughs> You heard it here Wait, on the breakfast. Tell me, Hold on, tell me I'm again. wrong. Sin makes you dumb. For sure. Like, let's tell me, tell me I'm wrong. I, I can't because that would be dumb. The wise one, <laughs> and you can, if you want to know how wise Solomon is, you can look at his career accolades, his writings of wisdom. You read what Solomon writes and what he says, and it's like, wow, this guy is is incredible. Mm-hmm. He was truly wise. But literally, bro had a sex addiction. He did. He and was. I think he had uh, other addictions as well too. He was addicted to all sorts of drugs as well too. Mm. He talked about. Uh, well, at least he made reference to wine as well. Mm. You know, like he but, was a substance addict. But it's it's amazing to see at the end of his life. You know, as he writes Pulls in Ecclesiastes, he's like, and in, in Proverbs, he's like, don't even look at. Wine in the glass as it sparkles. Isn't that a crazy thought? Mm. Like he is saying, this is Solomon, wisest man in the world, literally saying, don't even look at it as it swirls in the cup, mm. like as it sparkles in the cup, because it will just lead to your pain and your suffering, mm. right? Uh, so true. But I, he knows. I, like he I will knows. say for sure, it. when it comes to the health message that we've talked about, you know, we're talking about today, getting fit and getting healthy. One of the best things that you can do is stop drinking. Absolutely. It was probably one of the best things I ever did in my life. Me know? too. It just, I want to encourage you, if you're listening to Faith FM this morning and you're struggling with drinking, like go and find an accountability partner. Go find a, a program like the 12-step program, the AA. Text us. Like text us. We, we can help uh, connect you with someone who can help you to get off the narcotics, get off the alcohol, and just live a better life because it's so much better. Like a drug-free yeah. life and alcohol-free life is a better life. Yeah, I have lots of family because um, most of my family isn't Christian and, and whatnot. So, yeah, they're very Australian as well, which means drinking is definitely a part of the culture. But For sure, it is. Many of them constantly say, they're like, oh, I just wish I didn't do this. Even even though they're secular, even though they don't have necessarily a theological framework, you know, for restricting alcohol consumption. But they're like, man, I can just see that I do this and it's, it just makes life more difficult. It does. Uh, honestly, <laughs> it reminds me of like, I know people, and I think you know people as well too, who've had to use a breathalyzer just to get into their car. Mm. You know, like you get to a place where mm. your life is actually technically more restricted. Like not even technically, physically and realistically more restricted because of alcohol consumption. Another issue that happens as well too from a financial perspective, there's so many so many times when people were supposed to go out and buy groceries and all they bought was grog, and then their whole family suffers because they mm. spend it all at the pub. And mm. you got to be really careful with that. Uh, there, nothing, let me put it this way, as blatantly and as specifically as I can, nothing good 
comes from alcohol consumption. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I want to strongly encourage our listeners to say goodbye to the tequila. Farewell to the cerveza. And the Bible says in James chapter 1 that all good things come down from the Father of lights in heaven. Mm. So let's turn to him. Receive goodness from him. Dude, we've got a ton of people answering. I can see that. Bruce and Liz, Janelle, Raphael, Freco, Valerie, Karen. Well, Karen actually typed in the wrong answer. Then like, oh, no, I hit the wrong key. But we'll we'll give that to you. We will. Good good move, Karen, because you did that within like... One second almost. Kathleen, Raphael, Braden, like everyone. We're kicking goals this morning. Great work. I, I'm impressed. We mm. have we have a little a little crew of biblical scholars here on uh, the on the breakfast show here. We we really do. It's pretty exciting mm. actually. Maybe you've never texted in before, and this could be the first time that you do. Text us at 0491 064 669 with the answer. It's not 300, but it is another number. And this is the number of, what was it, lepers? Yeah, uh, this one was the number of lepers. That yes. Jesus healed. Yes. Okay. Correct. And not leopards. Not leopards. Because I'll get you. Because maybe, maybe leave those guys alone. They're okay. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about on our encounter with God in our Bible study time, which is one of my favorite times of the whole show, where we dive into the Word of God, we spend time. It is, honestly. And honestly, you should start your day with studying the Word of God. Uh, if you're if you're not listening to The Breakfast Show, get into the Word, get into the Bible. But we're going to get into the Word on The Breakfast Show as well, too, so you can join us every morning. So what we're going to talk about today is the woman in the wilderness. Now, we've been talking about Revelation chapter 12, the timeline that kind of leads up to the three angels' messages, mm. the timeline of Earth's history. We'll be following that. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. days. What does that have to do with Revelation 12, verse 6? Lawson, can you read that for us? In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 5, the Bible says, She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where God had prepared a place to care for her 1,260 days. So what is that? What is 1,260 days? Just like... Not prophetically, I'm just asking, like, how many years is that? It's uh, it's around three and a half years in in a Jewish... In a, yeah, because I was like, isn't 365 days and a quarter the number of the days in a so year? So the Jewish year was 360 days long. And so it's really easy to calculate that number, 1,260, because I watched a lot of X Games... And Tony Hawk. And Tony Hawk. They, well, doing 900 at the, the half pipe. That's right. They're pulling off 900s. But 1260 backside. Well, that's the thing. It's like 180. So 360 degrees. That's yeah. one spin. 720. So 720 is two spins. Uh, is it a 900s two and a half? Two and a half. So yeah. to 1080 is three. <sighs> and they're starting to land 1080s on skateboards, dude. That's wild. Which is insane. And then 1260 is three and a half. So has anyone landed a 1260? Maybe in an ex- exhibition or something like that, but not in the X Games. Yeah, but in the X Games, like in the in the. I mega know Sean ramp. White has. 
Yeah, the... a 1260 double McTwist, <laughs> dude, in the 2010 Olympics. The McTwister! He, he, dude, he scored like 99. Okay, guys, I have a passion for action sports. Give you a break. Um, Sean White is amazing. He is. Like, he's, he's, he's a poser. A little... He's a poser. Well, I don't know his personal life, but when you strap him to a snowboard, he is dude incredible. Flies, and then he goes to X Games and wins on the skateboard as well. So he's that's crazy. Those two things are connected, just like twelve hundred and sixty days and three and, three and, and a half, half years. years. Uh, this period of time is actually mentioned a number of times throughout the Bible. It's called twelve sixty. It's called three and a half years. Times, times and half a time. Part times, times and half a times. It is referred to as forty two months. Wow. Uh, later in the book of Revelation in chapter thirteen. So in the in the very next chapter. And it all deals with this time which was originally laid out in Daniel chapter seven. So it would be pretty reasonable mm-hmm. to assume that this 42 months, times, times, and half a time, three and a half years, 1260 days, is an important time period. Yeah, absolutely. If it's throughout the Bible, it is honed in on and honed in on again as to the importance of this period of time. So it's not something just like, oh, 1260 days, moving on. Like, we should probably spend some time to figure out what's going on here. Well, specifically in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 6, as we're reading here, uh, during this time, because this is the thing, every time we get shown what's happening in this time. It's a different aspect of what's taking place. Here in Revelation 12 and verse 6, it is about the woman's fleeing into the wilderness. Now, we established earlier in the week what a woman represents in symbolic prophecy, which what, was... What is a woman? Wow, that's a heavy... Yeah, what is a woman? According to Bible prophecy. According to Bible prophecy, <laughs> it's it's a church. It's the church. It's, it's yeah, God's, God's church. people. Mm-hmm. So God's people Not here. so much a building, but the, the people, right? And we know that... God's people, um, a son comes from them who rules all nations with a rod of iron. Now, who does that sound like? Wow, that's my that's my guy, JC. JC. Jesus Christ. He's Jesus the Christ. Messiah, the anointed one, the Alpha and the Omega. And Jesus himself says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, mm. right? So he is the, the son of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And I, in reality, he is the linchpin. Mm. of the entire Bible. It that, all hinges on him. And we, we know in ter- in regards to like identifying characteristics, ruling with a rod of iron, Psalm chapter 2, 7 to 9, essentially, it, it's a prophetic look at Jesus and you know who he would be. And it says, yeah, he rules with a rod of iron. So we can, again, working together, working with these symbols, working with the information that the Bible gives, we come to a conclusion. It's like, okay, woman, God's people, the child that it gives birth to who rules with a rod of iron, Jesus. Mm-hmm. So this gives us a framework for a time period, right? Like, now, but we one more thing, it definitely does. One more thing, the rod of iron, we never actually see Jesus running around with a rod of iron and just like crushing his enemies, right? Mm-hmm. We do see him with a cat of nine tails, like a whip, but he never actually whips anyone. He just cracks the whip, runs people out of the, mm. the temple because they're, Doing doing some naughty stuff in mm. the temple, selling stuff that they shouldn't be selling, right? But that that's besides the point. What I'm trying to bring out from this is everything that we've just talked about are symbolic. Mm. We don't see an actual woman flying with wings out of the wilderness. That's a symbolic terminology about the church fleeing the wilderness, right? So the purpose of this, to understand this, is as we go through 
all these other symbols of the child being Jesus, the iron rod being the representation that he is going to rule the nations forever and ever with with the, the strongest of metal at the time, you know. Mm. What do these days mean? Yeah, so this is where we need to calculate what's going on. But before before we get to the the day period specifically, the event that leads up to these days is the persecution of the woman. Okay. So, so that's the time in the wilderness. So well, that's well, the time that pre- she flees pre- to the preceding wilderness. Preceding the wilderness, there is a, a persecution that takes place. And as a result of that, she the woman to the flees to the wilderness. So if we can decipher these symbols, it's essentially saying God's people brings forth Jesus into the world. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, God's people, a.k.a. You know, the Jewish nation, the children of, the children uh, of Israel, yeah. they bring Jesus into the world. Now, we see throughout the Bible that a church in any context, whether Christian, Jewish, whatever it may be, is referred to as a woman. So this woman here isn't just talking about the Jews, but it's talking about God's collective people, of which the Gentiles, well, God has always been working amongst the Gentiles. Amen. But when we say, praise God, because, you know, we're, of me we're, and you. we're here today. <laughs> and even Shell, even and, though she's a lot more nice and wonderful than we are. Yeah, but yeah, that's right. She's a she's lot less Gentile, Gentile than us. <laughs> but we see that transition take place from God using the Jewish, well, the Israelites, and then more specifically the Jews to bring forth the Messiah into the world and to represent him into the you know the worldwide Christian church, as the Bible says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, free nor slave, male nor female. You know we're all one in Christ. And the Bible says we are now, and this is applying to everyone. This is Second Peter, so applying to all Christians, we are now a priesthood, a royal priesthood of believers. So it's gone from you know just Jews to God's people as a collective. So I, I would be very confident. And in Jews are still included. Like, we want to be Absolutely. clear about that. Because anyone who chooses Jesus as their Lord and Savior is a child of Abraham. Mm. But in the context of this woman, it's not specifically saying, oh, these are the Jewish people who are being oppressed. It's making a point of God's, God's people. people. Yep. So, God's people, you know, bring Jesus into the world. Jesus lives, dies, resurrects, brings about salvation um, into, into the world. And then it says in verse 6... Um, sorry, in verse 5, it says, And a child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. So the question is, like, how did that take place? Because Jesus died on this earth, right? Thankfully, that's not where the story ends. Yeah, that exactly. I, I think this is ultimately an allusion to the fact that because if if Jesus had sinned, then there, were, there would be no reason for him to be resurrected. Mm-hmm. Um. There are people who are resurrected before Jesus, but on the merit that Jesus would later live the perfect life and die for the sins of the world. Jesus is qualified to die for the sins of world of the world because one, he is God and in him he is God and man and represents all of humanity and creation. But secondarily, the what qualifies him is that he never himself sinned. So therefore there was no sin that he was guilty of dying for. Mm. So therefore his death could qualify as a, as an, as a, uh, as a substitute or a propitiation is the word that the Bible uses. John chapter two, verse one, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. For our death. First John, sorry. First John. Yeah. Yeah. For our death that we deserve. So Jesus 
isn't snatched away by Satan. He's not snatched away by sin and death because he never sins. So therefore he is caught up to God. And that in a practical sense, he lives, he dies, he resurrects. And, he, ascends and then he ascends in, in Acts to heaven. Chapter one. And it's as a result of this that persecution later comes. But the question is, well, when does this start? When does this begin? And when is the time period? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. The clue, because we have another number to talk about that is not 300. Or 1,260. Okay, so these are our clues. It's not 300 and it's not 1,260. It's but it also, could be any other number. It's and also it's not, one. not my age. It's not your age. And it's almost Shell's age. <laughs> um, that was a joke. That was that was a joke. It was a bad one, too. Here we go. I thought you were going to say it's definitely not Shell's age. I would never do that to you. <laughs> I would never, ever, ever do that to you. Don't but hey, Shell. I think you here would. we go. Guys, listen up. Listen up closely. This this is this clue is important and it might be a little bit confusing, might be a bit obscure, okay? The number of commandments given to Moses by God. If you know the answer, could be any number out there. Yeah. It any number of it's a it's a number of commandments given. That's actually a little bit tough because there was more than this number given, but let's say this, the new clue, the number of commandments that God himself wrote on the mountain on tablets of stone. specifically to Moses. That's right. Which if he, he then took in his hands and walked down the mountain with. 0491-064-669. Also known as the commandments. Yes. The... <laughs> the- Come on. That's right. <laughs> All right. It's let's not see. one. Uh, you're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith of Him. Oh, we're talking about Revelation chapter 12. Oh, yeah. We're talking about this number, 1,260 days. It's it's interesting. That we It's 1,260 days, and it's from Revelation 12, verse 6. The way I remember that is I go, Revelation 12, verse 6. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. You're listening to the breakfast show. Now, okay, so we're looking, we've got this number. We've got this number of days that equals a roughly three and a half years. Would you say between now and when Jesus was born, so roughly 2,000 years, there was only three and a half years of persecution towards God's people? <laughs> uh, no. No. Sorry. <laughs> like, no way. No. Absolutely was, not. No. Nope. That's not the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it's not three and a half years, how many years is it? Well, we have in the Bible, in, specifically in Bible prophecy, apocalyptic prophecy. Hold on. I just want to say, too, it's not just three and a half years of persecution. It's three and a half years of persecution that God's people ran into the wilderness for hiding. So that's a specific type of persecution where basically the church goes underground. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That was the sound of going underground, by the way. Well, it's when we when we put it in the context, we're like, oh wow, like this is this is this important prophecy in the Bible. It's gonna happen for three and a half literal years. 
Like, there are churches that have been underground for longer than that in China. So why would we think that they're literal years when it's not a literal woman? It's a yes. symbolic woman. So we have a symbolic woman. We have symbolic a rod of iron. symbolic rod of iron, symbolic child, symbolic right. dragon. Everything's symbolic. Why yeah. would we therefore just jump to literal? So in terms of symbolic time in the Bible, there are a few options that you have. Firstly, you have um, one day is like a thousand years. Yep. In heaven, but that's only to God. We we don't see that applied within Bible prophecy. What we do see applied within Bible prophecy is the concept of a day for a year. And I think one of the best examples of that is Numbers chapter fourteen and verse thirty four. Okay. So basically, the story is in the book of Numbers. I actually just wrote a book review on a book that was about explaining the book of Numbers. Nice, interesting. In number in the book of Numbers, the people are t- commanded by God to enter the holy land of Canaan. They make their way. They've just escaped Egypt. That's right. They're living their best lives. They're yep. covered in gold and jewels. They walk through the Red Sea. That's right. And we see in, in Exodus, it's like the escape and the giving of the law. Leviticus, we see the giving of ceremonial law. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, all right, God numbers the people. Are like, it. all right, you're good to go. Let's let's do let's this. Let's do this. And then they send out spies and they spend, send the spies into the Holy Land or into the Promised Land, into Canaan. For 40 days. And the spies come out, and we have the classic story. Two of the spies give her a good report. That's Caleb and Joshua. These are the double clap guys. They were like... They do the push-ups with the double clap. They're ready to rock and trust in the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. So they're like, yep, you know, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. We should go. God will win the victory. The rest of the spies are like, yes, this is a land flowing with milk and honey, but it's so well fortified by a bunch of literal giants that we shouldn't do this. And the people end up listening to those spies instead of trusting God. Because God is like, okay, let's go. He's literally flying around as a pillar of fly- he fire. He would have and sent hornets out to go and kill them all. You know? like he's, God had it sorted. They were like, no, nah, we're not, oh. not going to do this. And so as a result, they were punished. Their punishment, specifically we get um, revealed in Numbers 14 and verse 34, is that for every day that they spent time in... You know, in the spying. holy land, spying out the land, they will now receive a year of waiting for, which is they spied the land out for 40 days. So now they had to wait for 40 years. This claim is by, by nature prophetic. and But it gives us this, this interesting symbol here that takes place, which... I'm just like itching at the teeth. I want to read it. Will you let me read it? You finish your Numbers thought. Numbers 14 yeah, 34. I, I have to read it. I'm yeah, so excited. Go, okay. Go, go for it. Read it. Okay. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days. For each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. All right? Mm. And then there's a whole other story in Ezekiel that yeah. happens as well, too. I don't think we have time to get into it, but it's essentially... Same thing. Same deal. So you know. prophetically, when there's a day... It, it, it equals a year in prophecy. But for your own reference, if you're listening at home, go check out Ezekiel chapter 4, specifically 4 to 6, and you can get that whole story mm. on a day for a year principle. Going back to Revelation 12 or 6. Then we have a period of 1,260 years, which is a lot more likely to be a period of Christian persecution in which the church hides. Now, the big question is, well, when does this period start and when does it end? Boom. And within Revelation chapter 12, you don't necessarily find an answer to that. 
But as we said, this time period is named seven other times in the Bible. And the other major event that it is associated with is the ruling time of the Antichrist power. Yes. So it's like, which makes total sense. It's like if the Antichrist, a nation slash church that misrepresents God and persecutes God's people comes into power, then it makes absolute sense that God's true people would go into hiding. Because of the persecution. Because of the persecution, absolutely. It also makes sense. So just from a historical perspective, Mm -hmm. uh, the Protestant Reformation identified the Vatican as Mm -hmm. living like Antichrist, as being the Antichrist. Because Mm -hmm. if you go on... If you go on Google and you go on YouTube, like, who's the Antichrist? Well, Joe Biden's Antichrist. Donald Trump's Antichrist. Nah, my Obama's favorite, Antichrist. My favorite's Barack Obama. Yeah, Barack Obama. People are still pushing that today. They're like, it's Barack Obama. I did some mathematical calculations using uh, differential equations, and it's him. No. Wild. C- clearly, well, those are that's not the case, okay? And, and we can do a whole study on that. But I'm just saying, historically speaking, the Protestant Reformation identified the Vatican, specifically the Pope, who is the leader of the Vatican, as the Antichrist, the one who wants to be in the place of Christ. And so that is where we find this 1260 days to happen. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. And, oh man, we've just been talking about the Bible. Absolutely. We've been just going through all the symbolic... Mm. work that uh, the Revelation chapter 12 gives us and helps us to understand stuff. Mm. We also got some text messages as well, too. Are, do you want to do the answer to the quiz first or text messages I'll first? I'll do the answer to the quiz. Okay, let's get this one. The answer to the quiz is none other than the number 10. That No one can see me doing that, but I'm holding up 10 fingers. Okay, he yeah. was holding up 10 fingers, and that, by the way, is the number of commandments. It's not 9, it's not 11, there's just 10. There's 10, but yeah. a lot of people seem to forget one of them. Yep. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing that out there. Absolutely. But we know that actually in, in Daniel, he had a vision of a beast that had 10 horns. And that is none other than, well, the beast in which the Antichrist would come from. So lots of interesting stuff, uh, the nation in which the Antichrist would come from. So lots of interesting stuff there to get into. We just don't have time because we want to look at what you had to say. So we got a text here that says, never read Solomon had a substance addiction. Probably wine, yes, but drugs? His reasoning for marriage to so many princesses was for peace with all his neighboring countries. <laughs> That's true, but I just thought, he might have peace with the neighboring com- uh, countries, but will he have peace in his own home? No. That's the question. He has a thousand wives. <laughs> oh, well, 700. 700 wives and 300 concubines. Bro is like... You can gonna have some drama. That's, that's like one a day takes three years. That's the highest level of drama. Trust me, it's there's like drama, and then there's like uh, other drama, and then there's like baby mama drama. Like yeah. that's like the highest level that it, that it actually gets. Uh, it also says he never asked God, and it was downhill after that. In his later years, he repented and realized mm. that all was vanity. You know, I I want to look into this a little bit more, Raphael, but I do believe. There are references in, in Ecclesiastes about Solomon's use of not just alcohol, but when he says, I've tried everything under the sun, mm. everything under, and, and talking about 
like drugs and everything that was available at that time mm. as well too because he was into idolatry he was into spirituality he was into uh, all sorts of wildness mm. right which would have included um kind of the old homage sex drugs and rock and roll you know like this is this is what his lifestyle for many many years and then he realized nope that's not actually good I have a text message here from Valerie that I would love to share. This text message is amazing. It's very encouraging. It says, Valerie writes, I can say from my own experience that changing to a plant-based diet is the best thing for losing weight and overall health. Amen. Amen. Vegan gang, live your best life. I lost 18 kilos in seven to eight months. Amen. Wow. She's on, now my weight is stable at the recommended weight and BMI for my age and height. I no longer have to be concerned about my weight since my decision to go plant-based, which was in March 2021. I hope this helps others who are struggling and trying to lose weight from Valerie. Thanks, Valerie. That's awesome, actually. That is so encouraging. Yeah, no, I I and true. commend you for doing that. The plant-based diet, like, guaranteed, is the best diet. And, and 18 we have, kilos? Like, wow. That's a lot of Congrats. kilos, for sure. That's amazing. I... I uh, I just applaud you, Valerie. Good work. George Texas, good morning, Shalom team. What's the significance of a rod of iron? Well, fancy you should ask, because in our Bible study a couple of days ago, we found out that a in the Bible, a rod is a symbol of dominion and rulership. So a rod of iron is a symbol of an unbreakable, all-powerful, invincible rulership. Jesus faced every single temptation that we experience, but he came off a conqueror. And so that rod of iron in the hand of the child is actually a symbolic symbol, a symbolic symbol of prophecy, basically saying that he is going to rule in a way that will have dominion over all the other kingdoms of the earth, which are satanic kingdoms, kingdoms of the enemy. His rod of iron is a symbol of strength and dominion and rulership that will last for eternity. So great question, George. Hope that helps answer uh, what you're looking for there as well, too. George also texts, authority over sin and the morbid tale of Lucifer. Hmm. Very, very uh, interesting thought there as well, too. The only one who has authority over sin is Jesus. Amen. And he died on the cross, rose again, ascended <clears throat> into heaven, and he is coming back for you and for me. Uh, thanks for listening to The Breakfast Show. So, yeah, I don't know. Looking forward to the weekend. We got Friday tomorrow, and then we got Sabbath. Uh, until then, talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. We'll see you tomorrow morning for the breakfast show. I'll be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.